Stepping into the unknown is scary, especially if that means uprooting our lives to try something new. If you're feeling like it's time to make a major move, or you're feeling restless and aren't quite sure where it will lead, then this episode is for you. Today, a special guest shares how to go from corporate to calling. The climb to the top feels so good when you get there. But is it just us? Or can it feel lonely sometimes, even when you're successful? We've learned a few things along the way, and we know we're all stronger together. Together, we are a Think Tank of Three. I'm Julie Holton, an entrepreneur with a couple businesses who sometimes has this boss babe thing down. And I'm Audrey Fick, a strategist and business development coach getting things done most of the time. We're ditching the culture of competitiveness, bringing together women from different backgrounds to share their stories. Let's do this together. Talk about a time for transition, whether you were looking for one or not. Hi, I'm Julie Holton here with Audrey Fink. We are your think tank of three. At the time of this recording, we are still in the midst of a global pandemic. If there's one thing we know about COVID-19, it's that our everyday lives have changed and it has a lot of people thinking about what they really want out of life. Today, we are talking about how to break free from whatever is holding you back from following your passion. And I say whatever is holding you back because let's face it, it could be your job, it could be your family, or it could be you. Fear holds a lot of people back. We can get in our own way. Our guest today is Nora Luke, who knows exactly what it's like because she pushed through fear to find her calling. Nora, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the invite. I'm excited to be on the show. Nora, I absolutely love the name of your company, Corporate to Calling. It's so inspired, and I imagine that there must be a story behind it. So tell us about your own journey from corporate to calling. Well, thanks for the compliment on the name. Um, I like it too. I must say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, looking back on my own journey, it's it's something I think a lot of us don't do very often, but it's very important. I speak a lot about, you know, taking action as your future self and looking into possibilities, but looking back on your journey where you've come from and what you've accomplished is important. It kind of allows you to celebrate and reflect on what you've gone through. And for me, I always wanted to be a corporate girl. I don't know why. It was just something in me. I wanted an office. I wanted a little nameplate. I wanted like a door. I don't know. I just always wanted that. And my parents were not corporate people. I didn't run in that kind of circle. I just craved an office. I remember being like 16, I'm ready to work now. Cause that means I can start like, I didn't realize it, but climbing that corporate ladder even at 16. So it was just something that was in me. And I found my way into the healthcare field and I'll never forget the day my husband asked me, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to make money and help people. And he laughed. He's like, well, that doesn't exist. And, and <laughs> yes, it does. And I absolutely loved healthcare. Um, I found myself in a high, you know, titled position at a young age. Um, I had kids later in life, um, not normal, if you will. And then I reached a point where I started seeing the positions and these titles that I was going for, what they were going to require. And I just took that stuff and went, I don't think I want that anymore. And I want to make a different impact and started thinking about things that I really wanted. And that sounds like such an easy thing. Like, what do you want? But a lot of us have a hard time answering that question. Sure. And yeah. And I thought back to, okay, even in high school, I found my old yearbook and I said, where are you going to be in 20 years? And one of the things I had on there was running my own business. 
thought, where did I stop that? Why did I give up on that? And so I literally went from this high level position to then saying, nope, I'm going to turn it all away and go in a different direction and follow this greater impact that I wanted to make. At what point did you make the decision, I'm going to take this step towards calling versus corporate? And why do you think it took you as long as it did to take that step? The first part of that question, it, it, I don't think I realized it, but I've been taking the steps for a handful of years. As we're coming, looking back at my journey, even some little things that I was doing, I got involved with a couple, even like network marketing companies, trying to find something else that I wanted to do that, that could change in, in my life was going in. And the whole reason why I wasn't doing it goes back to change guilt, which is that feeling of guilt for wanting something different life. So I mentioned I always wanted to be a corporate girl. So here now I'm living that. I found an industry that I love. I'm being able to have quote the income and help people, but still I wanted something else. So that just guilt alone held me back for a lot of years to actually take that step into what I actually wanted to do. I want to talk about that change guilt for a moment because as you well know by now, Nora, that resonates with me so much. You and I have had many, many conversations about this because I had never heard that phrase before until I heard it from you. And I can relate, and I know many women in our audience can relate to wanting something in life and you, you work hard, you achieve that something only to realize that that isn't what you want anymore or the dream at some point has changed and now you want something else. But to make that transition to that something else carries with it a weight. And there's this guilt almost, well, how can I want something else when I wanted this and I worked really hard to get this and, and some women don't, don't get what I have. And so you, you, there are so many feelings that go into that. And you really nailed it. You know, you pinpointed it with the term change guilt. So talk a little bit more about that. And how do we overcome that guilt? It's not a secret, like there's this magic pill that all of a sudden you get to take one day and you no longer feel guilty. But, but how could I get us to build that pill? Because I would like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to work on making that pill. <laughs> it is series of small steps. You, you realize that it's okay to no longer want what you thought was going to be your path because you evolve. You're a human. You have different experiences. And some people will say, well, was there a moment you knew? It wasn't an exact moment. It was just a collection of thoughts. You only can come home so many days and feel negative or unfulfilled or unhappy or, or whatever it is, you know, that, that feeling of just burnout. And I think you, a lot of us in the corporate space, in particular, you're doing something that you're good at and yeah. they might even pay you well for it, but that doesn't mean you necessarily really like it. And also when you realize I don't, I don't have to keep doing something just because I'm good at it. I can actually do something that I really enjoy that can either make a difference and. I really look at the word calling too as a service, service up to others. And it's, it's a huge thing because a lot of people say, well, what are my passions? Well, passion is a good place to start. But a lot of times you're passionate. You know, I'm very passionate about my children. I'm very passionate about the Alzheimer's Association or my family, but that's not necessarily, necessarily my calling. I don't do this job just for my children. 
um, what I've decided to do is you, it's that calling where it just keeps pulling on you and it won't stop. And you know, you're just meant to do more and you're the guilt now is separate because you no longer, it doesn't, that, that guilt doesn't serving you or anybody else. And have me come to that realization that you're holding yourself back. You're also holding other people back because they're waiting on you to let go of that guilt to actually serve them. That's when you can kind of start stepping forward and making that change and letting go of the guilt. Do you think societal norms sometimes play into creating that change guilt? I mean, I know that the guilt itself comes from us and only we can change that feeling to get over it. But, you know, it seems like society tells us, especially as women, what success looks like or what we're supposed to be doing with our lives or what skills we're supposed to be good at. Does that play a role in all of this? Absolutely. I mean, even for me, I mentioned I had, you know, children later in life. So I, first one's 34, second one was at 37. And I was like bound determined, I'm gonna be that perfect woman that society tells me I need to be. I'm gonna rock it at the job. I'm gonna be the best mom. I'm gonna be an amazing wife. I'm gonna have everything. And then it was like, oh, why am I doing all this? Because somebody tells me this is what I need to do. And then again, that little guilt snuck in because of like, well, but you always wanted all of this. And you're like, but at what cost? Right. Did you want it? the way that you were told you had to do it. You can be a good mom. You can kick ass at your career. You can have this life where you give back, but it doesn't have to look like the expectations we put on ourselves or, or that society, I think, calls as a norm. And I don't know that as a whole, like collectively, we figured out how to have it all, if you will, and I hate that line, but how to have it all the way we want to do it versus have it all based on how we're told this is how you have it all. And I love, actually, I love that you said that because I will tell a lot of women, it's okay to still want it all. However, you defined the all, it could have been, you know, my vision was the all, the corporate job, the the kids, the house, whatever. But now it's all of a sudden you're having it all on your terms. Yeah. And you've just redefined your terms of your agreement of your life. And you're allowed to do that. You can give yourself permission to change your mind. And I don't think in society that we're ever told that that's okay. A lot of women in particular that were raised, you know, to go to school, to get that job, to stay in it, regardless, you don't leave. That's been like told you over and over and over again. And now now it's realizing, ask females that, no, I can, I can change my mind. I can write my own script now. It's so funny that you say that because I was just talking to someone about how hard it is to change your mind today. And I think this actually applies to ever, at least in American culture. The idea that you would learn something new, you would evolve and change your mind is so problematic when you need to hold firm to whatever your beliefs are, especially I think in our like overly politicized space. If you change your mind, if you flip sides, there's something held against you. Like your new belief is not quite believable because you used to believe something else versus this idea of we learn and we grow and we change and we shift. And because I believed one thing in the past, got new data, and now I believe something new doesn't mean that my belief previously was problematic. It doesn't believe that my belief now is problematic. It just means we've shifted and we don't seem to have a lot of grace for people as a whole trying to make those shifts. It's about evolving. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the journey and realizing again, that it is okay to do. But you're right, it's not usually accepted at first because even for me personally, making a shift, you know, there's some people that would think, oh, what happened? Like something bad had to happen in order for me to want to make a change. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, no, you're just, it's like a self-reflection and, and looking in on how you want your life to be. And I, empowering women to be able to know that that is a choice they get to make. Particularly right now with these times, you know, we, a lot of women were complaining prior to the pandemic about having to go to work every day and do the drive. Well, then they're complaining because now we have to stay home. Like, well, again, we're, now we don't have our choice, but you were choosing to take that drive into work every day. Right. You know, it's like, like that we can you can make a change right so in speaking of the pandemic <laughs> your business of course has been really years in the making because no one just wakes up overnight and says I'm gonna start a business and then boom there it is it takes a lot of um, decisions and a lot of work leading up to actually launching a business but that being said, you chose to launch your business actually publicly announce your business during the pandemic how did you decide to take that leap? Well, some said I was crazy, but <laughs> I said, you know, this was when I was planning to do it. And I, I almost let the fear stop me and in, in being transparent because it was a, a nerve wracking thing to do. But I thought, you know what, this is what I was planning on doing. I'm going to continue to do it because my intentions for the business were the same pandemic or not pandemic. I wasn't just saying, I want to start my business so I can make all this money and, and do blah, blah, blah. I, I want to serve these people. I'm still going to put my message out there. I'm still going to continue with branding and building and not just be focused on what I'm going to get or maybe that end result of income, but how am I going to still be able to serve and show up for people who could still need my, my skill set or what this business is set up to provide, regardless if there's a pandemic or not. I really love that idea of servant leadership that you're using to really run your business, especially during this time when I think so many people are just evaluating their lives and reevaluating what they want and where life is going and, and what that might look like. And even if they're not in, say, the buying mindset, you know, as we talk about marketing and sales, they're still in that learning mindset and needing guidance from, from the right people. So I think that that's just, I applaud you for, you know, for continuing to move your goals forward and continue, continuing to work on your business, especially during a time of uncertainty and for having the transparency of saying like, yeah, this is a scary thing, but I still have the conviction that this is the right thing. Well, and it's, it seems to be really good timing unintentionally. We are as a, a global community right now in a real transitional period. There's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of questioning whether this is you're in the right spot, whether this will continue to serve you, whether your job is safe, whether your kids will stay healthy, whether you will stay healthy. This we are in transition as as a race of humans. And so while it is scary and um, it seems maybe counterintuitive to start a business at this time. At the same time, it also seems like this business is so necessary right now. We need it so badly. You're going to be able to help so many people because we need help with transition. We're not good at that. So tell us about Corporate to Calling and what you do. I coach women to get clear in their calling so they can build a business around it and leave the frustrations of corporate America behind. Oh, I love that. So for the women in our audience who are maybe thinking about taking their own leap or making a transition, where should they start? What was the critical set of steps that you took? When it comes to the steps, I mean, there are so many, a lot of, because you mentioned women being scared to, to, to take a leap. Well, a lot of times that comes back to finances. 
like, oh, if I make a leap, what if I don't have then the income to support me and my family and myself going forward? Well, I right. think you can look at it a couple ways. One, if you, um, if you've been ha- if you have income and you've been saving or you have a supportive spouse, you can honestly go, okay, if I didn't make income for three, six, nine, 12 months, how, what would we do? So have that little bit of a plan. But there are a lot of um, steps and things you can do to start your business that actually cost either nothing or very little. And I focus a lot on the online space. I'm a, I mean, talk about change. Who would have thought 10 years ago we'd be in a space we are right now with the online global marketplace we have. And in particular, a lot of women don't realize the potential and the opportunity that exists there and the amount of people they can actually reach and serve. But when it comes to running a particular online business, there are tools that you need to have set up that don't cost anything, or you could just start practicing using them. So then once you're ready to fully launch, you already have a comfort with what those new tools are. So I think some of those steps are, let's learn what you actually need, what your, your business plan would look like in this new space. And then you start an action plan. And with a lot of clients, we literally start with what do you want? Who do you want to serve? develop that business plan. I call it a VIP. So we get your VIP day set up. So we get your whole business plan marked out. And then we actually start taking steps to implement. I love that. Well, and if I may, you mentioned something too. Both of you said something about selling right now. I have this weird, I've always, prior to healthcare, sales and marketing was my background. And as a female, a lot of the sales jobs I had were very male dominated. I remember walking into rooms and there'd be all these sales trainings, all these steps and all these tools. And I'm like, why don't we just try to help people and maintain a good relationship? And then when they want to buy, they'll buy from me. Yes. <laughs> like, selling has such a bad term. And even me launching my business, people are like, well, aren't you ready to sell people so you can make money? I'm like, of course you want to make an income. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to build relationships and people learn what you can do to help them, then they want to buy. People are still buying today, but they're not right. being sold. Right. Uh, thing for a lot of women, they get stuck on that. I can't create a business or I can't move forward with what I want to do because then I'm going to be looked like I'm selling to people. Right. Or I don't want to make the ask because I don't want to be pushy. Well, how about you say, these are the ways I help people. And if someone says, oh, I have that need, you say, okay, let's talk about it. Let's see if we can make this work. It doesn't have, oh, yes. I just a thousand times. Yes. (laughs) Well, and not offering somebody your services, you're doing them a disservice. Right. Because you could actually help them. Right. Oh, right. that's such a great way of putting it. You could be helping people if you were making those connections, having those conversations. Instead, if you're holding yourself back, especially if you're holding yourself back from your true calling, then you're holding back from people who might need you. And that's one question I ask a lot of women is, what is it costing you and the people you're not serving by not moving forward? I love that. I use this example a lot and sometimes I feel guilty about it because it's an old white dude, but Zig Ziglar wrote this book about selling and he is the sales guru, right? Mm -hmm. And in his book, he talks about, this isn't about going from step A to B to C. It's not about opening the pipeline and then getting through to the marketing and then closing the sale. He thinks that ABC always be closing his bowl. He really truly believed that in order to be a successful salesperson, you had to be a helper. You had to be learning what people needed. And if, and only if your services were able to fit that need, do you sell to them, quote unquote. 
And it just, it really resonated with me. And I think that one of the things sales has lost is that desire to help. If you aren't able to solve a problem, fix a need, then what you have to sell is not actually something you should be selling. Well, and sales is not, we think of it as a transaction. Mm-hmm. Find something and it's more of a transformation. Yes. If you can help somebody, you know, go from whatever state they're in to their new state, then they're going through a transformation. And if they're going to pay you to help them do that, it's a sale, but it's not a transaction. People aren't transactions. Yes. Oh, I love it. You're speaking my language. Okay. So Nora, you are also a wife and a mom, as you mentioned, both full-time jobs. In addition to you had a full-time corporate job as you were starting this, this new job, (laughs) lots of jobs here. Um, How do you find time for you? Because I think as women, that's something that is always that fleeting, you know, thing that we're searching for, no matter where we are in our journeys of how do we find time for ourselves. So how do you as an entrepreneur, as a wife, as a mom, how do you find time for you and what matters to you? Well, there's part of me that if I can say this, but kind of says, you know, the balance is bullshit. Yeah. There's some part of your life that's going to bleed sometimes when you're doing one thing and you have to be okay with it. And to say, so some days I'm a good mom and some days I'm not, but every day my children know I love them. Mm. Same thing with being a wife, same thing with being an entrepreneur. And the, my plate, yes, can some days needs to get a little bit bigger, but I came to a kind of a realization, I got to call it where I need to do less to have more. And that meant sometimes saying no to certain things that just meant adjusting my days. I, you know, there's not a perfect schedule. And in particular in today's society, when I say, you know, like the new normal, new expectations, you really just have to look at the things that are priority and those are what you do. And then that leaves time for yourself because you're a priority. Yeah. I love that so much. You know, a couple of years ago in my business, I hired a business consultant because M Connections was growing so quickly that I really got worried, actually. I mean, it was, everyone would say like, oh, that's a great problem to have. And it was, and I was grateful, but it was still a problem because I worried that as M Connections grew, things were going to start to crumble. Things were going to fall apart. Quality was going to lack. So I hired a business consultant to really work with me. And one of the very first lessons he taught me was to stop doing as much as I was doing, meaning I was sitting on a number of boards of nonprofits and, and spending my time. Like you, Nora, I'm a helper. I am. It is, it is one of my callings in life is to help other people. And um, the problem was I was spending so much time and I was spread so thin trying to help as many people as I could that one, I couldn't deliver the quality that I was trying to deliver because I was spread so thin. And then two, and, and most importantly, at the end of the day, there was not enough left for me. And so I was really missing out on what I should have been giving to myself. And it, it, so it's so funny to me that this came from a business consultant, you know, who I had hired to tell me how to run my business and how to fix things and, and shore up the gaps. And, and really the first thing he had said was, you have to pick and choose where you're spending your time and who you're giving your time to. And so I love hearing that as you talk about, yes, sometimes your plate needs to get bigger. <laughs> That's a really great way of putting it because I always think of my plate being too full, but what a great way to focus at 
making sure you have time for you at the end of the day. Cause otherwise there's nothing left for your kids, for your family, for your business. Well, you recognize that you go through seasons of life and there are some seasons where you are, you have to give yourself a little more grace or your plate is a little smaller. Um, and you only, you know, that, I mean, right. I look at some women that they give themselves so much grief because they can't do this, 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 and this. I'm like, that's okay. Just do this and that, you know, and, and then we'll next one. But it's recognizing that you, you are a priority. And sometimes it might be little things. Taking a walk by myself is a little thing for me that I, I make sure I do. So with your new business, Corporate to Calling, what would you say your biggest failure is and your biz- biggest success so far are as an entrepreneur? The biggest failure was, or maybe sometimes still is, is that being afraid of failure. Mm. Um, You know, I've realized, and we've heard that before, there's no such thing as failure, but that's hard when you want things to be perfect, especially when your name's attached to it. But looking at failures as catalysts. So because every time I, it could be something small that I maybe even launch or I test to my audience to see if it's something they like, if it doesn't work and it's considered a failure, it immediately spawns, produces a new action and a new thing for me to then go and try. Or a, I'm literally trying to change the word failure to catalyst because that's every time something doesn't work, it, it makes me do something else and takes me take action. Yeah. And well, you can't have real big growth without that catalyst. You need it. If you're successful at everything you do, you're not going to see large growth and change because you're not operating outside of your comfort zone. All good things happen outside of the comfort zone. They do. They do. I think from a success standpoint, you know, the first thing you think about is, Ooh, I want to say numbers and this that I've done, but honestly, just doing this is a success. I mean, like when somebody says, even if they didn't become a client, like I helped them or I never thought of it like this. Now I can go do blah, blah, blah. I'm like, great. There, I just made an impact that day. And I truly believe in the ripple effect. Even if like there's something that I did in a moment or something I said to somebody and it helped them, they're going to go then and do their own good deed. And it's going to just continue that way. Even if I didn't quote, get something for it. Right. So I, I think saying like, when I think about success, not looking at it in a number standpoint, but really looking at it more of that I'm actually doing this and I am making an impact and helping people. I work in business development. And so a lot of times we talk about pitching to win. And, and then sometimes when you qualify a, a lead, you say, okay, we're really not the best fit for you. So we're going to tell you that we're not the best fit. We're not going to be the one who gets you the best. We know these people, we're going to refer you to these people. And it's, it's so hard sometimes for the people I work with to see that as a, as a, benefit, right? We're just losing this work. When really, if you're able to tell someone, I'm not the best fit, but this person is, they're going to remember that because they're going to remember the honesty in it. And that is a service. Being able to tell someone, this is how you get your need met. It's, I'm not the one who meets the need, but I can tell you where to go is just as beneficial as being the person who can, who can make that need, you know, be resolved. I love that. No, I, that's so true. I, I, this is a new concept for a lot of people I talk to, but I tell them, you, you know, as a former people pleaser, you don't really want everyone 
to like you yes. or to understand your message or to do what you're doing. It doesn't mean they don't respect you, but it's okay to attract people and repel people. And repel sounds negative, but it's not meant in a negative connotation. It's, it's you're not their person to help them. But then you can still, like you said, refer them to the other person or to a resource or somewhere else to still serve them. But that doesn't mean that they're met, you're meant to work with, work with them. Or Again, right. you're, you're repelling them and that's okay. Right. Uh, my dad once told me, if everyone in the room likes you, you're doing something really wrong. <laughs> and I, it's, I take it to heart. Yeah. I'm not for everyone, but I am for the people I'm for. And that's okay. Exactly. I love that. And it's right now too, we always hear like the phrase, you know, you be you boo. Like I have a love hate relationship with that because <laughs> I love it from the standpoint of, yeah, you be you because you will attract the people you're meant to, you know, your sure. message and what you're meant to do is for a particular person. But at the same time, you can be you and be helpful and be respectful of others and, and help guide them and still being you. But it is, it is important to to stay true to who you are. Know that it's okay that you might not be everyone's cup of tea. I do struggle sometimes when I know someone doesn't like me because I feel like I will put in a lot of work. Well, I will. I'll put in a lot of work to try to meet their needs. And when it still doesn't click, I know that it bothers me. Not so much because this person, if it doesn't click for them, chances are it's not clicking for me, right? So it's not that this person doesn't like me. It's that I tried so hard to, to fill that need. And sometimes I think we need to be okay with not being the solution. I, in my space, I think of myself, one of my strengths is I am a problem solver. If there is an issue in front of me, like I can break it down. I can come up with solutions all day. I can think around it. I can think creatively. I can think outside of the box. I can tear down that wall. So when I can't, I'm like, this ruins everything I think about myself. And it's so important to connect back to that, it's okay because the, I'm not the person for this solution and I'm better served giving them another resource. They're better served with another resource than to sit and try to be like, why don't you like my problem solving? Yeah, no, it's a, kind of back to that ripple effect by you continuing to do that. Now you're making yourself unhappy. If you would have just you know, referred it over to the other person, then they're happy too. And everybody right. then is in a much better place. Right. Well, and you spend less energy, unnecessary energy, mm -hmm. in places that you don't need it. Yeah, I dig that. Nora, I wonder, you know, as we kind of wrap up a little bit here, I'm thinking to the women in our audience who are hearing your story and it's resonating with them, how you were able to launch your new business, but they're not quite at that point yet. Maybe they don't yet know what their calling is and they're still at that soul searching phase. What's maybe one piece of advice that you can offer them other than joining your private online group, which is amazing, I must say, but before they do that, what's, you know, what's one piece of advice um, as they're in that searching phase? It's interesting because a lot of women will put pressure on themselves when they hear the word calling because they think that means that it's something grand and magnificent. Like it's got to be huge in order to be my calling. That word has that, that sound to it where sometimes it literally is reflecting inward because your calling's already inside of you. So when I have conversations with women, we start to just, I help guide that out and ask these thought-provoking questions and really have them, there's a little series, almost like a, like a meditation that we, that we do, that it allows them to realize it's already there. Let's pull back some of the layers of why you've been hiding it. And 
answer that simple, I shouldn't say simple, but it, it, it's simple because it's already in you, but it's simple, it's hard because it's so close to you, you don't even realize it. Of, you know, again, what do you want? How do you want to feel? And if you could tell women one thing, what would that one thing be? What would your message be? What would you want to tell a room full of women? women? And if people have to think long and hard about that answer, then we got to do some soul searching. If it's a, this is my mantra, this is what I want them to know. Okay, now we have somewhere to work from because we're, we're getting to that first layer of what your calling is because callings are pouring into other people and serving other people. So let's, that's usually one of the first kind of steps. Everyone's like, can you, you know, can you give me a book to read? Or can you give me, you know, are you going to knock on my door and tell me my calling plane, you know, going to fly over or something. And it's, it, it doesn't happen like that. It really is inside of you. And a lot of times it's the things that people naturally always ask you questions about. It's the thing you could do all day long, regardless if you got paid or not. It's, it's there and there's a reason why it's covered up. So again, it's like trying to figure out what it is that you would want to tell other women to improve their life, how you would serve them. That's one of the first steps to start getting to uncovering a calling. Oh, I love that. I especially love this idea of peeling back the reason you hide your calling. Mm-hmm. I just think that that, how do you identify what those pieces are that you need to pull back on? Like, What is the process that you look at for that? A lot of that comes from limiting beliefs based on your past. There's somewhere sometime in your life where somebody told you you weren't smart enough, pretty enough, something didn't work, you gave up on yourself, you quit, whatever it was. And so then now you've gone on and you've done, have this life that you think everybody else has wanted you to have because you've pushed that calling down so far that when you start a process of removing some of those, recovering from those limiting beliefs. Nora, thank you so much. This has been so insightful and I will share the information in a moment, but I strongly encourage women to join your private group on Facebook so they can start exploring more of this with you. You've got some great videos in there and um, and information that you share. Before we go, we are collecting advice from successful women in our communities and sharing it in our Think Tank of Three forums. So we have three rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Number one, is there a lesson that you've recently learned that you wish you would have learned earlier on in your career? I would say don't sit on your spark or your idea for too long. Don't overthink. It kind of goes back to not taking advice from somebody other than your ideal client. I always look at that as I, I told my dad what I wanted to do. And my dad poo-pooed it and said, why? That doesn't make sense. I don't get it. What? That means I should do that because my seven-year-old dad really shouldn't understand what I'm doing. (laughs) So what advice would you give your younger self, say maybe 10 years ago? Spend time being more creative. And I I don't even mean that necessarily as an arts and craft way, although that is important. I think my kids have taught me that relieves a lot of stress. But, you know, think outside, think outside the box. Think of ways that you can actually dream big. And, and from a business standpoint, ways you can create multiple streams of income. If anything, we've learned through this experience is the world changes. Ten years ago, we never would have thought we'd be in the position we're in right now. And the jobs and the opportunities that are exist in 10 or 20 years from now, we can't even think of. But if you actually start brainstorming and, and getting creative and start thinking of ways that you can look in the future 
and, and not just be so focused on that in, in the moment you're in. What do you think is the most important skill for a woman to hone in today's professional setting? Interesting question, because when you hear skill, you immediately go to these like computer skills or those type of things. But I feel we've, a lot of us have lost the skill of listening. And no matter what you want to do or who you want to serve, listening, you can create from that. You can learn how to serve people from that. A lot of people want to talk or want to talk loud, but if you actually just listen, it'll provide you with so much insight and, and people think it's such a passive activity, if you will, but you're gaining so much knowledge when you can simply listen. Agreed. Nora, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? I know I kept, I kept alluding to it earlier. You have a private Facebook group, but what is the best way for people to reach out and connect with you? I do have the Corporate to Calling Facebook group, so you're welcome to find me there. You can email me at nluke at corptocalling.com. And I also do these clarity calls for women that are really trying to figure out and get clear in their calling. You can find information about those at corptocalling.com forward slash clarity call. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's all for this episode of the Think Take of Three. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like to hear from, send us a message at thinktankoffree at gmail.com. Subscribe to Think Tank 3 wherever you listen to podcasts and connect with us online. We blog weekly at thinktankoffree.com. Follow us on social media and be sure to join our private group on Facebook where we can all share advice freely. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, share it. You can find Think Tank of 3 on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud.